Hello, free thinkers. I'm Mickey Z, and I welcome you to Post Woke, the New York City-based podcast where we practice intellectual self-defense. So if you're spending most of your time trying to not think and letting a device replace your thoughts, then you've lost essentially yourself. You know, consciousness, I think, is the most precious resource, the most precious experience in this world. And so if, if for no other reason than to just get to know the wonders of your own imagination and, and to spend more time in your inner world, I think it's really worthwhile to get offline and find out just how vivid and beautiful your mind can be when you give it a chance to actually flourish. That was Alison Gray, synchromystic musician, composer, music producer, writer, poet, playwright, novelist, and so much more, including best friend of the podcast and very frequent guest. And I will be back with my most recent conversation with Alison Gray after this word from our sponsor. Hey, Mickey Z here, and I'm asking you to offer some support for a project that I've been running for nearly six years. It's called Helping Homeless Women NYC. And as the name implies, I've been getting out there on the streets for, like I said, nearly six years to offer direct relief to some of the most vulnerable yet fiercest women you'll ever want to meet. If you check the show notes, you will find a direct link for how to donate at GoFundMe. If you're interested in becoming a Patreon patron or in ordering uh, restaurant gift cards directly from my wish list, shoot me an email and I'll send you that information. But I'm just requesting some support, thanking you in advance and asking you no matter what to please share the link far and wide. Now, let's get back to the show. And I'm back with the one and only Allison Gray. Allison. Hi. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, Merry December and welcome back oh, to Post Woke. Thank you. Hi. I love you. <laughs> um, now, I have a lot of new um, listeners, so they may not have he heard all your previous um, appearances on the show. I suggest strongly that they go back and check them out. But what I do want to say is that in many of our previous conversations, we have ended up at least part of it um, kind of ragging on social media and then ragging on ourselves for being on social media despite our critique of it. But since we last spoke, which was at least a month ago or maybe a little more, um, we are both off. You're off all social media and I'm off Facebook and Instagram. So Congratulations. Yeah, congratulations to you too. Isn't it amazing? Don't you feel great? Absolutely. No regrets at all. No regrets. No regrets. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, it isn't like a sense of me feeling out of touch. I um, And I'm, I'm grateful for um, Substack becoming a larger community and, and, and uh, being able mm -hmm. to interact there and people share. So I don't feel like I'm quote unquote out of touch. But um, yeah, I definitely, no regrets. How about you? 
I feel so good. So good. I mean, nobody's shocked. Everyone knows social media sucks. So um, it's been... Uh, my, I set my intention very strongly. I, actually, I I want to share this bit. Um, Please do. In the past, in the past, when I've taken big social media breaks, um, it was always there was always a, a lead up of like increasing frustration and annoyance with online culture, and then I'd like just put my foot down, I'd blow up and like deactivate everything very dramatically, and then eventually come back because of like pressures like you know various reasons maybe i had a project to promote or maybe i met someone new and wanted to connect with them that way and so in i've done this many times in the past i can't even count and so the the coming back part i feel like there was always room for me to kind of lose my will and come back because i wasn't super intentional about why i was leaving and so um without a strong intention you don't really have a a goal to anchor yourself to, to, to think long-term about the consequences of coming back to, to this addictive platform. So this time, while I was on a family trip earlier uh, last month, um, I had been contemplating how I've been addicted to the internet since I was maybe, I'd say 11, but I, it might even be younger than that. Mm. Um, I, I mean, addicted to the computer, because even before the internet was a thing, even before MySpace, I would spend so much time just on the computer playing games. There was something about the screen that I found very uh, tantalizing. It, it, it was, I didn't know at the time that I was trying to self-soothe because I lived in a very distressing house situ or home situation. And uh, I, I, I didn't know anything about nervous system regulation or anything. Just instinctually, I found that going onto the computer and focusing on it for hours and hours helped me feel more calm. And so, uh, you know, days and then weeks and then months and then years of my life started wasting away in front of this computer. And now that I'm 29, I'm realizing how much of myself I've sacrificed to this 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 beast that is only getting more and more addictive and more mm. and more powerful for everyone now you know it's not like i've failed as an individual by becoming addicted to social media it's like it was designed that way and a lot of people don't know that they're walking around with dysregulated nervous systems and that that's why their devices are so attractive to them so this time when i got off social media I made magic out of it. I, I did a ritual and I, I just sat there and I really meditated and I let myself feel the grief and the disappointment and the rage at how much of my life is gone now and was specifically drained by this like black cube network, let's call it. And I let myself feel that and realize the gravity of how serious this is that I'm I'm a living human being and I can barely say I lived my life and I'm only 29 years old. And um, it just was so sad to realize that. And so I made a vow to myself to, you know, during this social media break to sit with the feelings I've been trying not to feel ever since I first started using the computer at, in like my childhood. So for the first time in my life, I, I, I knew that I would be feeling things that I've been repressing basically with, with internet use. And um, then I finally, you know, very uh, 
magically, I, I don't know how else to say it, um, signed off of everything, you know, said goodbye to my online profiles and all of that. And then I, so I'll just like fast forward now this, this past few weeks, whenever I have an uncomfortable feeling, I notice my instinct is to reach for my phone because it's like a distraction. I know that sounds so cliche, but it's true. There, it, It's an attempt by, by the body to regulate. Mm. And that's no small thing. And that, so we can have compassion towards ourselves when we realize this. Um, and when I notice myself wanting a distraction, I actually now sit with myself and I meditate. I've been meditating a lot in these past few weeks and, and really getting to know myself and really learning how to be calm without the aid of a device to augment that process. Now it's just me and myself and, and not just me and myself. Also, I've, I've actually been interacting more with people in the real world and just overall, you know, it's been a mixed you bag. You can do that? <laughs> yeah, I almost forgot. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it, it's been great. It's been really great. Um, uh, in a mixed bag, because on the one hand, yes, there are uncomfortable moments. I'm not going to sit here and act like it's so easy to get offline, especially when you've been addicted as long as I have. But um, it is absolutely worth it. And it's worth it in ways that are kind of intangible, not actually, no, not intangible. My, I am physically healing from social media addiction, but also there's spiritual healing happening as well. I, um, I find that my, I, I actually, I don't know if this is related. I think it is, but my inner vision is actually really, really colorful now that I'm not staring at a screen all day. I noticed that my my the pictures in my mind's eye are way more vibrant, like high saturation and way more detailed. And I didn't, I thought maybe, you know, um, we've talked about how the screen replaces people's imaginations. And I thought maybe to the extent that I had been using like screens to replace my thoughts for so long that I would maybe be past a point of, of no return or of some sort with developing my imagination. But no, it's only been a few weeks and I feel like my imagination's already becoming like, like a muscle that's uh, being strengthened after a long period of atrophy. Yeah. It was, it was kind of sitting there waiting for its turn to, to jump in. Mm. I mean, not that you've been so creative and et cetera over that time period. Um, but you can't help but wonder what else you could have been doing. Mm. Um, so, so just to touch on a couple of things you said, the, the aspect of self-medication jumped out at me where, where that it's one of the hardest things to admit or even recognize that you are self-medicating, whether, whether it's, um, social media, alcohol, drugs, gambling, shopping, whatever it is that is, um, Preventing you from having to face those difficult emotions is a form of self-medication. And mm. um, this is why they have to have interventions because people will will fight you, like physically fight you if you try to imply that they're self-medicating. So, yes. I mean, it's, it's such a, a credit that you were able to recognize this on your own and then take this very intentional step because – I, I hear you loud and clear. If you if you just say I'm going to take a little break, then it really is just a countdown till you're back on doing all right. the same stuff. And then you binge, yeah. Be just like with an addiction where you you quit without like a real recovery plan in place. Um, your the cravings are going to overtake you if if you haven't really been dealing with the withdrawal symptoms in a healthy way. Yep, and 
I, I do want to say this. I, I do want to say a caveat here because over the past, I, I was off Facebook for for at least two years, and then I came back during the lockdowns. And um, as I've probably detailed here, I lost a lot of my old friends and made a lot of new Facebook friends. And I just want to clarify to anyone listening that this, when I say, oh, I'm so glad to be on Facebook, that there are some really dynamite people that I've met and oh, yeah. just smart, funny, meme loving, clever, compassionate people that I look forward to their posts. But I don't always see their posts because of the algorithms. And you, you so it's not even, it, it's, it's hard to even stay in touch with these cool people. And I'm, and I'm, I feel fortunate that Many of them have become subscribers on my Substack, and I'm able to be in contact with them that way. But I just wanted to clarify that it's it's not like there weren't um, really nice people on there. It's just the system itself kind of locked me. I went from being in um, in a previous life, being locked into one algor algorithm hive mind, and then I got locked into another one with yeah. some real version of shadow banning. And so uh, that was kind of like the final push for me where there was this awareness that when I release this podcast, that Substack will tell me statistically where the listeners are coming from. And I could see that very few of them are coming from Facebook directly because Facebook is shadow banning me. And then that was, that was finally like, well, then I have no excuse to continue self-medicating because it sounds wise to say, oh, I'd love to get off Facebook. But if I do, then I'm not promoting all this hard work I'm doing, or I'm not promoting my project to help homeless women. But then when you realize that your posts that you're putting up are barely getting any acknowledgement at all, then it was staring me in the face as you kind of describe. It's like, well, then why am I really on it then? Because mm -hmm. it's not doing these things for me. But um, what am I using it for? And I and I've been off shorter than you have, but I I'm happy to say that I have some similar feelings where it's like, oh, there's like there's like emotional space um, reclaiming, like a reclaiming of emotional space that that's just a wonderful feeling. It is, and I'm glad you brought up the shadow banning because I've been shadow banned too, and we so we both are like bottom of the newsfeed buddies, <laughs> and <laughs> and um they I I think these uh these social media giants don't realize what a favor they've done for us and for other um people spreading the truth about vaccines and whatnot um by making it harder for us to even reach people online because then more and more people hit their breaking point of like, well, then I'm just going to leave now, you know, and and I've seen more and more people um, specifically. Uh, I, I don't want to what can I call them other than truthers? Free thinkers or free. Yeah, like uh, self-identified free thinkers. I've noticed more and more of us leaving social media in recent times. And um, it's because we realize our reach is not um, digital. Our reach is primarily in the real world, in the physical world. And as a magician, I would like to add that I have been learning the fun way. I won't say the hard way, the fun way that um, you don't even need social media to reach people. You don't. You actually don't. I mean, there are plenty of people who, for example, um, have followings, but are not on Instagram, are not on Facebook. They have uh, like newsletters and other more direct ways of reaching people. And, and then there's just the fact that we're all energetically connected. I mean, oh, I have a great story about this actually. Okay. Okay. So when I first started making music, maybe I had only released, uh, Earthquake with Sean, you've interviewed Sean Siebold. Um, so he was my first ever musical collaborator. 
that was the first song I ever released. I had like, I don't know, maybe like 13 Instagram followers. I had like nobody. And um, I'm sorry, I don't mean to call those 13 people nobody, but I I didn't have the kind of reach that people would brag about, let's say. So anyway, one day I get this email. Um, now, I'm, mind you, I'm telling you this story just to prove that you really don't need social media to reach people or be successful. This is how magical our world is. Ready? I got an email from this man. I don't know him. I've never heard of him. We we have no mutual friends or anything. He's also not on any social media. He only communicates by email and has no profiles anywhere. He said in this email um, that he was uh, just like meditating one day. And I think he specifically asked for music in his meditation. And then he saw and he heard the phrase in his mind when humans had wings. And then he looked that up on YouTube and found me. Mm-hmm. And then he like mess- he emailed me so excited. He was like, oh, my God, my intuition told me your band name. And I just had to let you know, like that was he, <laughs> he, and, and then it turns out he and I, um, we both share a lot of uh, spiritual interests, like, you know, me being all about how humans can fly and we have superpowers and all of this. He's really into like humanity's lost history and how um we're actually supernatural beings and and a lot of our own power has been hidden from us. So there was that huge overlap. But like, what are the chances, Mickey, that the full phrase when humans had wings, when I had like zero reach on social media would have ever reached this guy who's not even on social media. That truly was like an act of God that united us. And that I keep that in mind whenever I doubt my ability to grow either grow my platform or just attract um, supporters because ultimately the, the reason social media is so addictive is because it operates on the, the principle of disempowering people by making people think that they can't manifest things, that the only way to connect is digitally, that if you aren't online, you're missing out and everybody's moving on with their lives without you. And, and they, they instill fear as they're, they're, their modus operandi. Truly, it is the way that they operate. They would not be successful if they didn't have people thinking that without social media, they're losing something or they're they're missing something and they're incomplete as people, right? And so once you realize that your power does not lie in the virtual realm, your power is actually very real and very spiritual, um, there's nothing that could ever stop you from connecting with the people you want to connect with. Well, it, it's it's I had this thought where you're describing this manifestation process, specifically that man who manifested the name of your band and now you made connections with him. But it's as usual, these the parasite class and their artificial intelligence uh, wing um, try to mimic versions of that because their, their version of manifestation is like when you say, oh, my sneakers look worn out. And then suddenly you see an ad on Facebook for yes. a new pair of sneakers. And it's like, you, it's it's almost taunting us that, mm-hmm. yeah, you can manifest. Your, your thoughts have incredible power, but in this big tech capitalist um, censorship culture, you're, we're going to control where your manifestation powers go. And the moment you walk away and say, well, the only way to avoid that is to not be on social media, then you recognize what, what that guy recognized, where it's, it's, 
you look inward for that strength. And then also you look for uh, kindred spirits to, to, cult to further enhance and cultivate that strength. That's, that's a really inspirational story. And speaking of inspiration, I feel like another value of getting off social media and talking about it is you described how as young as 11, you were addicted to using the computer and then eventually being on the internet. Could you imagine what it's like for an 11 year old now? Like there, mm. there is no realization I'm talking about in the, in the semi-industrial world, at least, because I know that like on the continent of Africa, there's far, far less internet access than there is um, in Europe or North America. But right. so, so a semi-industrial location, an 11 year old had, would be hard pressed to conceive of a culture without an internet, without smartphones, without social media. And so the only way they can know that that is not the be all and the end all is for people to lead by example and let them know that, yes, you can say no to this. This isn't oxygen. You know, like Facebook isn't required for you to live. And right. so when we consider something, oh, I, I, I got to look at Facebook. I'm going to get, I, 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 want, I don't want to miss this important post. You could ask them, well, is it important as, as like oxygen like or the nutrients that you can eat? No, like it's, 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 let's not overuse a word like important for something new that's on Twitter or Instagram. And it sounds very simplistic, and particularly for someone of my age range, because I grew up in such a different world, but I can totally recognize that if, if I were 10, 11, 12, 13 years old now, I would need to be reminded of this because every, every input coming into me once I was relatively conscious would be counter that and that the world exists on this device that's in my pocket, not mm -hmm. in the world, not in what I can see in front of me. Yeah. Oh my God. I have big thoughts about <laughs> kid, kids being raised online. I mean, I have little cousins and um, unfortunately I've seen firsthand how these brilliant genius children get subsumed by this addictive technology because their parents don't feel like actually raising them. So, and it's like, it's hard because on the one hand, I really think there's no excuse for parents leaving their kids to, to run wild online where there's so many awful things. I mean, I, we can't overstate how dangerous the terrain of the online world is for a, a young impressionable mind when mm. we know what we know about pornography and all of that. So that's number one. Kids should not have devices. Kids should not be staring at a tablet all day. The tablet is not your kid's babysitter. And like, so on the one hand, I feel rage when I think about how many parents just like hand their kid an iPad and like say, all right, now go play with this so that I don't have to hear you screaming. I don't have to hear you talking. It's like they're so dissociated from their own kids. And that makes me mad. But on the other hand, I, I did acknowledge at the beginning of this that we're all so dysregulated in our nervous systems. The parents might not even realize how mm. how imbalanced they are internally that they then unconsciously uh, destroy their own child's mind by avoiding their own internal feelings. And, um, you know, there's so much to be said there. But I really do think strongly there's not a kid on earth who should have a device of any kind. I, I, for no, there's no reason, no reason at all. And I'm not, this isn't the same as saying, oh, well, 
you know, there was a time when we transitioned from sundials to analog clocks. So you're just afraid of new technology. No, analog clocks didn't fill little kids' brains with like violent pornography. Okay, that's the difference. Like, come on, be a parent, actually be present with your child. I mean, I have no plans to be a parent myself, but when I see people um, who are consciously raising their children and really aware of what's going on in the world, and I see um, their endeavor to be present with their child, there is something really magical about the child's imagination that the, the pure wholesome imagination before it's damaged by, uh, online activity, you know, like they, they still have fully functioning third eyes, so to speak before they, you know, and then when you expose them to a screen and let them play with that screen for hours and hours and hours, they don't develop inner vision. I, I, I could be wrong about this, but I've heard that there are more people alive today who have anaphasia, which is the inability to visualize mentally than ever before in human history. And I don't think that's coincidence. No, because the, 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 the big tech um, world has co-opted that power because as you were describing what you were saying there, it, it, I was trying, I can't, I can only stretch my imagination to try and imagine just to picture this but what would it be like to be 12 and to be told that you need to put your phone away and then you so you put it in your pocket or you put it on the chair next to you it's like it it, it it's like when you're walking your dog and the dog knows that you have a treat in your pocket it it, it can't it can't concentrate because it needs yes. it needs to get that treat, and it, it if something can co-opt their their attention in that level, then it could then co-opt their cognitive development. And so I don't know enough about anaphasia to make a, a comment on that, but it sounds like um, something really worth looking into, which I will. And it sounds like something that we should be petrified about because children children are the the kings and queens of imagination. They, they there's, yes. there's nothing like watching a child just make shit up. Like just They're natural oh, imagineers. It, it's just incredible. And to take that from them should be amongst some of the worst crimes and sins that anyone could commit. Yeah. And so many parents have no idea that that's what they're doing. They don't, I think of it as child abuse to raise your kid on a phone because they, it is an addictive technology. It's like giving your kid crack cocaine as food like that. It, it really is up there. I, and I'm speaking as someone who's a lifelong addict of the computer. Like it's, I, I can't even articulate how devastating it is to realize how much of my life is gone now. It just got like, like flushed down the toilet of digital noise like my my mind like parts of my mind are gone I can't visualize as strongly as I used to and like that's changing but it's going to take some time to restore that and um I think about all the talents I could have developed I could have been playing like three or four instruments by now had I not been an addict from an early age and like that's that's devastating when you're someone like me who's a creator and you want to make so many things and you have all these ideas to have been disabled very young from being able to actually do those things is, you know, it's, I'm speaking from experience and I just don't want anyone else to have to go through that. 
and um, especially not innocent little kids. And um, I know that it's where there's a will, there's a way. So I'm not saying, oh, it's I ha there's no time anymore to learn like piano or whatever. But um, I just I I just want these words to really hit home with any parents who are just kind of unconsciously letting their kids play with devices all day. Like, please take it from me. There's nothing that that phone or that iPad can offer them that is worth uh, the, the five minutes of, of peace and quiet that you're getting in your household, like you're, you're destroying them in, in avoidance of your own feelings. Yeah. And again, this is not some kind of blame fest on parents and right. you and I are not in position to, to discuss parenthood from, from an experiential sense, but it, what you're, what it sounds to me is like you're encouraging people who are parents to look into their own hearts and into their own minds as to what's motivating them, not judging them as parents, but what are you, what are we, because all of us are, are in a, in a culture specifically like ours, we are constantly looking to avoid things and mm. the, and the culture so brilliantly in an evil way is just a distraction machine. It come up with new levels of distraction every X amount of years. So it's more than happy to say, Oh, you, you don't want to, you don't want to really be in your head right now. Well, look what I've got for you. This will keep you busy for the next five hours. And, you know, and it's going to damage you in so many ways, but to bring it back to the kids, as you, as you were alluding to there, of course, you could learn these instruments now, but as as you were touching on, there are windows of learning that children could potentially miss now. Very young children, where it, it where it's being co-opted. When you see five year olds with the iPads, you're thinking about what were they uh, designed biologically to be developing right that moment. Instead, mm. they're watching passively watching something, a video game, or whatever's on the iPad, and the, and like the video games is another good example where you it looks like you you're given a choice, but you can only do what the video game. It's a choice within the parameters of the video game. You know, kick, punch, shoot, race a car, whatever it might be, which is training you to be a consumer, right? You go into a store and you have choices. You can't walk into a store and demand something they don't sell. They'll look at you like you're crazy. Or then when you go into a voting booth, you could only vote for the choices they give you. So you're creating a mindset at a very, very young age when they have their windows wide open that mm. anything is possible for them. And so, yeah, child abuse may sound like a harsh term and it's it may sound like, again, we're picking on the parents. The abuse is coming from the tippy top down. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Like these parents sure. are the result of these powers that shouldn't be of how they created a structure that we are trying to break down. And that can be break down, broken down and will be broken down because it's not infallible it's not permanent but the first th thing we have to do is recognize that it exists before we can take it down absolutely and and since you know um there's potential for this to be perceived this conversation to be perceived as very like judgmental and and uh um heavy-handed uh, <laughs> it's what we do best i guess <laughs> but um i think i could start talking about intentionality here please do I mentioned it earlier, you know, as a magician, um, one of the most important things to understand is what it means to have an intention. When you assign an intention to your action, it becomes supercharged, basically, um, with willpower. So there's a big difference between reaching for your phone unconsciously, just out of habit, out of being Pavlov'd 
to reach for it whenever you're bored or whenever you're horny or whatever the trigger may be versus reaching for your phone with the specific intention to accomplish a task and only do that task and then put your phone back down. So um, I've been learning now when I like, so the only social media app I still have on my phone right now is YouTube. And like, so what I have it for is to watch encouraging lectures. So I actually, you know, this, I I've been into Joel Osteen sermons cause I've been trying to manifest, not trying, I am manifesting mm -hmm. a new career path. And, um, whenever I find myself feeling discouraged, I know that there's somebody who makes excellent content in regards to how to stay in faith, how to keep believing that you can manifest what you want. And so that's for me, that's Joel Osteen. So I turn on his sermons. That's what I go on YouTube for. I don't go on YouTube, not don't, but I'm, I'm getting out of the habit of going online just to waste time. And so now I find that if I am going to be exposing myself to media, it's top quality, soul nourishing media. It encourages me. It uplifts me. It inspires me. Unlike the sort of jackpot or like roulette of social media where you're scrolling and one second you're seeing like a puppy dying. And then the next second you're seeing somebody cooking burritos and then the next it's like there's no coherence you don't know what you're going to get next and that's what keeps you dysregulated that's what keeps you anxious because you it's just like so unpredictable and so incoherent that you you just are on edge and you don't even know why and so now that I've removed that that amount of instability from my life and I only expose myself to media with strong intention I find that I feel so much better in, in day to day. Like it just, my default setting now is way more peaceful than it was just a few weeks ago. Thank, thank you for that. That was the, the perfect segue in the sense of, of taking away the judgmental aspect and also putting the power back. Well, actually not putting it back, recognizing where it is. Mm -hmm. And, and I love the YouTube um, com uh, comp because I do sometimes watch a video on YouTube and then I'll stop it and I will look on the right column of what YouTube is suggesting for me, not just based on that video, of course, because I've been using it for years. But I look at this and it's it it can be if you can detach yourself almost like you're some kind of like sociologist where it's like, well, why would these bots give me this one, this one, this one? What what? Are they seeing? What are they? Where are they trying to herd me? In what direction? What mindset are they trying to create? And sometimes it's as simple as if you were listening to an Elton John song. It's another Elton John song. Okay, I get that. But then you, when you scroll down, you realize it goes into into some strange directions, and you're like, what are, What are they trying to do? And if you can detach yourself, you can then be easily more intentional because you'll be like. Oh, I could be clicking on suggested videos for the next two hours and then mm -hmm. suddenly realize what the hell did I just do as opposed to what you said, where it's like, you know what I need right now? A Joel Osteen video. And you just go, you go on, you watch it, it ends, you turn it off and you put your phone down and you're using your phone as a tool as opposed to big tech using you as a uh, for data collection and, and to make more money and to control us more and to, and to, you know, get us into a particular mindset. And also when you touched on, when you said that the dysregulation keeps us anxious, I think of Matthias Desmet's uh, use of the ter term of uh, free floating anxiety. Yes. When, when, when you have a culture 
in which free-floating anxiety is floating above us all and in and out of our minds and hearts and souls, you then become more pliable. You become you become more amenable to changes that on some level you know are wrong. You know that, that it's censoring free speech or you know that it's limiting personal autonomy, but you kind of you're more you're more um, capable of being manipulated when you're in a state of free-floating anxiety. So the stakes are incredibly high here. Like the two things that we've highlighted, you talk, want to talk about high stakes, is stunting the emotional and intellectual and creative growth of a child, and then growing up into a society where you become a more pliable consumer and quote-unquote citizen. These are major, major stakes, but the good news, as you described, is that you don't need a bloody revolution and and tens of millions of people to agree with each other and march together at a, at a given point, you need individuals making intentional decisions to make incremental change where we don't, where we recognize where we're being manipulated and nip it in the bud. Yes, absolutely. And I love this focus on um, solutions and, and because, yeah, I think it, it can be very easy to devolve into cynicism when we're talking about a beast this big. Yes. Um, and I, and then also there's just like the, the issue of apathy. Some people just don't see what the point would be of, um, you know, getting offline because they don't see it as harmful necessarily to waste two hours, uh, you know, watching suggested videos like one after the other, after the other. But funny enough, I was talking about my social media break with another friend who has also been reevaluating her relationship to social media. And we both agreed that the, we spend the most time on social media, ironically, um, when we most desire. OK, how do how do I phrase this? Um, we were realizing that if we weren't stressed to begin with. We wouldn't want to be on social media, which then makes us more stressed because we wouldn't have that impetus to avoid the stress and self-soothe by scrolling and, and distracting ourselves from mm. our feelings. And so um, we both realized that the more we reduce stress in our actual lives, um, the it, it's kind of a simultaneous thing. You reduce stress in your actual life. You have less of a craving for social media. And then with less social media exposure, you're less stressed, which then feeds back into a healthful life in real life. And so it just goes back and forth like that of like this, this fe positive feedback loop of like, Oh good. The less time I spend on this thing, the less time I want to spend on this thing. And so I love that's that. where I'm, that's where I'm at right now. As you know, I've been really focused on beautifying my kitchen because <laughs> I realized one of the things that social media, um, has clouded my judgment about is my relationship with food. And, um, you know, I, I would tend to go for like quick meals and like, even like while I'm eating, be what, you know, scrolling through Instagram reels and not actually enjoying my food. And so I realized I should have more color in my kitchen. And now that's been occupying most of my free time. You know, I, I there's this hutch that I'm restoring right now and painting, and I'm all excited about it because the more arts and crafts I do and add to my kitchen, the more I love being in my kitchen and love actually eating in my kitchen ah. and not distracting myself from that experience. And um, so I'll, I, I want to say one more thing on this note of, uh, you know, the, the apathy some people have not realizing what it is that social media takes from them. I am saying this as a magician and as an artist, 
which are the same thing, if you ask me. Um, if you know, if you don't have your own imagination, what do you have in this life, truly? Because at the end of the day, you know, in the times when your friends aren't around, your partner's not around, it's just you and the silence. If you aren't at peace with what's going on inside of your mind, then what kind of a life is that? Because your life really is, you may not realize how much of your life is just an internal experience. As much as it might seem like the outer world is the source of your your life experience, but it's not. It's your inner world, your thoughts, your imagination, your dreams, your feelings, your your motivations, your memories, all of this is what determines the kind of life you're going to experience. And so if you're spending most of your time trying to not think and letting a device replace your thoughts, then you've lost essentially yourself. You know, consciousness, I think, is the most precious resource, the most precious experience in this world. And so if, if for no other reason than to just get to know the wonders of your own imagination and, and to spend more time in your inner world, I think it's really worthwhile to get offline and find out just how vivid and beautiful your mind can be when you give it a chance to actually flourish. Amen. That, that was beautifully <laughs> stated. It, it's, it, it makes me think about how, what we are hardwired to do and how we evolved. It, you know, the, the, there's been... I'm not certainly not the first person to say it, but we evolved in the stone age. So we have stone age brains and we're living in the digital age. And it's very confusing to these brains. And back in what we evolved to do is everything you just described is to have this rich inner life and to not feel like you need um, digital pixels to entertain and distract you because you had you have so much inside you and also you'd be part of some type of tribe or clan where other people have rich inner lives and then suddenly you're sharing stories and you're creating stuff together where and and it's not that long ago that that was more common when you were describing painting the hutch and you know i'm thinking about how fortunate i was to grow up in a home with a mom like i had where she was constantly doing creative projects whether Mm. it was just for this it could have just been literally just making something but she had a sewing machine she was repainting this area and sometimes the tv would be on sure but for the most part she she just occupied her mind and her hands and her interests and always was beautifying and and it was a case, and cooking, of course, and it was a case where you'd come in and the home felt and smelt and just just the general vibe was a place where someone was um, using their imagination all the time. So I, I have that example where this is pre-internet. None of us were going to, at that moment, pull out our phone and not pay attention to what she was doing. But it isn't just to demonize the phone. We could have both. You can, as you said, you can use the phone intentionally. And look what we're doing right now. We're digitally having this conversation and I'm going to digitally share it with so many people. And so it can be used intentionally. It's just to make sure Mm -hmm. it's not using us. Um, Ooh, yeah. yeah. Right there. That was it right there. (laughs) So we're we're coming up to wrapping up here. And if you could do it in a couple of minutes... um, I am, I'm happy to say that I've been getting more and more subscribers, so I'm, I'm going to safely assume that some of them could be in a position where this is the first time they're hearing, hearing Allison Gray on my podcast, even though you've been on like 10 times. Um, so could you just tell them a little bit, say, about 
your album that came out earlier this year or just one or two things in a, in a minute or two to let people know. And then I will add those links in the show notes so they can learn more about you and follow your creative life and ventures and magic however they choose. Thank you. All right, here we go. I'm Allison Gray. I am a synchromistic sonic artist, or in layman's terms, a magician musician. Um, I run a site called hologrampress.com where I talk about magic, specifically chaos magic for sovereigns. And I am also uh, a musician and producer who has released two singles and an EP this past year. I'm also currently working on my first full-length album, and so you can keep up with me on Bandcamp Backstage, which is where um, it's basically a subscribership where you get to hear all of my like unreleased songs and demos and things like that, um, and also my newsletter where I send you a, a secret song, I call it, um, or a treasure track, I should probably be calling it, um, for signing up for my newsletter. So that's how you can keep up with me, even though I'm not on social media right now. And uh, yeah, I'm all about basically reminding people that humans can fly, literally fly. That's my whole platform. <laughs> I, I love that when I say that, a lot of people don't think I'm being serious. So the great thing about the humans can fly thing is that whether you take it as a metaphor or as a literal factual statement, either way, it's a really valuable thing to contemplate. You know, the, where exactly does human potential end um, or does it ever end? And I think, it, you know, remembering our potential is so important in these times, you know, just like you were saying, Mickey, earlier about how um, kids who've grown up in this digital age may not even be able to imagine a world outside of the digital world. See, this is why it's so important for us to contemplate potential and possibility. I wonder what other kind of world is possible. I wonder what else we could be doing with our time. You know, these questions that open up the the space of of the black the blank canvas space where reality is created from it's so important that we keep asking those questions and that's what i hope to do and inspire other people to do with my music and my writing so so that's me and thanks for giving me space to say all that of course and i will include those links and i may include some of the our previous episodes too if people want to go back and catch up and just yeah thank you for everything you just said there and I, it just makes me think the, you know, the, the when you talk about potential and other possible worlds, where if we allow these parasites to create a, a, a culture in which children are just robbed of their imaginations, there just think of the countless um, possibilities that have no potential because they've been children aren't put in a position where they're nurturing imaginations every time we nurture a child's imagination the possibility of a better world it increases because mm -hmm. we don't know what they're going to grow up to visualize they could visualize something that none of us can conceive of right now but if all they can visualize is what the next video on the youtube thing on the youtube uh Q is, or much worse than that, um, in terms of videos, we we are setting we not we're not only being horrendously cruel to these children, we're setting ourselves up for for a, a, the type of culture that no, where nobody wins. So let's let's keep in mind that the stakes are really high here, but the the, the battle lines like it's it's the the gloom and doom is not 
necessary. If, if that's what motivates people so that they get active and fight back, fine. But it, I fear that the gloom and doom, which is also um, spread very widely on social media, is going to work against us in the long run. So I hope that people who listen today feel some sense of whether they agree or disagree with what we said. I certainly don't think anyone's going to disagree with everything that we said. I hope they t- they walk away feeling like Hmm. What else could I be doing? What other what other kinds of explorations could I be starting now to contribute to these type of changes that would benefit all of us? Oh yeah, I, I love that reminder that children really are the future, and it's so important to make sure we're we're protecting them from the worst of these technologies. Like the great thing about being an adult is we've gone ahead and experienced this this new virtual realm firsthand. And now we can speak from experience and say, okay, well, here's what it is. Here's the damage it's capable of. Here's the the positive that it's capable of. But, um, you know, it's up to us to give people information that the social media giants are not really disclosing to them and let them make their own informed decisions and remind them that they have the power to make more intentional decisions moving forward. That's really what it comes down to. We're all sovereign and we're all free. And if, you know, if someone decides, you know what, I do want to be online um, and here are my reasons. Good. As long as you know what your intention is, I think that's truly it's so lost on a generation that grew up on this thing there's no intentionality about it when it's all you've ever known because you didn't have a say in it basically so for those of us who do have a say in it and particularly those of us who have a say in how children experience it um i'm just asking for everyone to to consider their motives and their intentions and it's for everyone's benefit when we do this absolutely in this way to go with the wings metaphor or reality that it's a way to spread your wings and soar so even how whatever that means to you metaphorically or literally so allison thank you as always merry december and um i already look forward to our next conversation Likewise, likewise, likewise. Thank you, Mickey. Okay. I'll be back with some closing thoughts after one more word from our sponsor. Hey, Mickey Z again. I trust you're enjoying this episode. And if so, I would really, really appreciate it if you would become a paid subscriber for just $5 a month, less than 17 cents a day. You can support this Substack and this podcast. Your help is essential and it's crucial. And it's you who keeps this project going and growing. So thank you for listening. Thank you in advance for becoming a paid subscriber. And please spread the word. And while you're at it, please check the show notes for a link to a really kick-ass post-woke t-shirt. The sales have been going up. People are out there showing off what their favorite podcast is. And now it's time for you to join the team. So once again, thank you in advance. And let's get back to the show. In the classic 1989 film, Roadhouse, thespian Patrick Swayze inhabits the role of James Dalton, the head bouncer at a seedy establishment called the Double Deuce Club. Dalton is armed with a PhD in philosophy from New York University and his three rules of bouncing. One, never underestimate your opponent. Two, 
take it outside. Three, be nice until it's time to not be nice. Here's a note to those striving to end tyranny. It's time to not be nice. And it's time to keep your guard up. <laughs>